listening to The Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 24 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on Tuesday the 31st of January 2017, after a busy month of DIY, birthday celebrations, and of course writing. I must start with a quick apology, in case you can hear the sound of the rain drumming onto the roof of my garden office. It is a cold and wet day here in Scotland, which at least gives me the opportunity to share one of my favourite Scots words. It both perfectly conjures up the grey, wet, cold and miserable day, while also being fun to say. In personal news, I finished the Worried Writer book, left it to rest for a week, and then tidied up the text. Last month, I put out a call for beta readers and was bowled over by the response. Thank you so much to all of you who offered. The list is now full and I'll be sending out the draft this week. Regular listeners won't be surprised to hear that I'm pretty terrified about sending it out and getting feedback. I really want this book to be helpful, and I'm crossing my fingers that it makes sense and isn't too personal. Once I've got the feedback, I will do a rewrite, and then it will go to a professional editor. I also need to commission a cover, so that's exciting too, although it involves making decisions, which I always find difficult. If you've got any thoughts on great cover designs or a recommendation for a graphic designer who specialises in non-fiction, please do get in touch and let me know. One of the really positive things about doing a project like this is that it's given my brain a break from writing fiction. I felt empty after finishing the latest draft of Beneath the Water, and it was nice to change gears for a while. Predictably enough, I'm missing fiction again, and I'm looking forward to diving into a new novel tomorrow. It's also been good for keeping me distracted while I wait to hear from my agent. Beneath the Water is under submission at the moment, and that never seems to get any easier. In other personal news, my back welcomed me into my 40s by going into spasm. So that was fun. It's on the men now, thank goodness, but it knocked out some of my good intentions. I haven't got as much walking done as you might imagine. And writing and general work has been a wee bit difficult, but I'm definite, as I say, I'm on the mend and onwards and upwards. Today's interview is with Gillian McAllister. Gillian's debut, Everything But The Truth, is an absolutely cracking read. It is a twisty, compelling domestic thriller, and I highly recommend it. It's out on the 9th of March from Penguin. Do give it a try. I spoke to Gillian last year, and it was really interesting to speak to someone in the post-debut deal, but pre-publication phase, of their career. I hope you enjoy the chat too. Before we move on to the interview section, I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you for listening and supporting the show. I have gained so much from doing this podcast and I really appreciate you being here with me. I also want to say congratulations to a listener, Rachel Burton, on her new publishing deal. Rachel is at bookish underscore yogi on Twitter. Well done, Rachel. And a quick shout out to some other lovely folk on Twitter, Wayne Kelly at Mr. Kelly to you, Emma B. Books at Emma B. Books, Wendy Clark at Wendy Clark 99, and Paul Teague at Paul Teague UK. Finally, I have set up a page on Facebook for the podcast. 
If you search for The Worried Writer on Facebook, you will find it, but I've put a link in the show notes. Please do pop over and give the page a like, and let me know what kind of content you'd like to see there. I'm considering recording some Q&A videos, or perhaps doing a wee tour of my latest planner system. Let me know on the Facebook page or in the comments of the show notes for this episode. Or, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter. Or drop me an email, sarah at worriedwriter.com. As always, I welcome your feedback and questions. And now, before my back gives up on me again, on to the interview section of the show. My guest today is Gillian McAllister. Gillian's debut novel, Everything But The Truth, is coming out from Penguin next year, and she is represented by Claire Wallace at the Darley Anderson Agency. I usually interview authors who have published a number of books, and I thought it was high time I spoke to somebody in the pre-publication stage. I'm very excited to speak to Gillian and to hear how she got to this point and her experiences so far. Welcome to the show, Gillian, and thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thank you. Well, congratulations on your publishing deal with Penguin. That is very impressive. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about the book? Yes. Um, So it's, I think it's technically women's fiction. It's a book about a woman who, in the first chapter, unthinkingly looks at her boyfriend's iPad as it lights up the bedroom. And she sees something that casts huge doubt in her mind about whether he is who he says he is and if he's done something in his past. Um, And it's sort of a story about trust and deal breakers in relationships and what you would do if you're really in love with somebody. Um, But there's a few sort of legal twists along the way. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I can't wait to read it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And as I mentioned in the introduction, I really like to delve into your experience of the whole submission and publishing process so far, since you're, um, it's all quite fresh for you. Uh, so first off, I mean, how did it all come about? Did you get the dream phone call or? I did, actually. <laughs> Yay! I, I had sort of rehearsed it in my mind quite a lot because I, I was on submission and I've been on submission three times, which I'll get into. Um, and I kind of thought maybe it doesn't happen in the way that you think it would. Maybe you'd hear quite a lot in the run up. But I had two weeks almost of complete silence and then uh, a voicemail from my agent, totally out of the blue, saying, could I please call her? Um, and I couldn't call her for 40 minutes um, until lunchtime because um, I was busy and um and then I called her and she said we've had an offer and it's a preempt and it's penguin and it was like the sort of defining moment of my life really it was everything that I thought it would be oh that's wonderful and um, to go back a bit then have you always wanted to be a writer yeah I sort of always have been a writer really mm-hmm. I remember I finished a novel when I was 12 called Where Magic is Possible Um, and I finished it in the opticians because I was nearly finished so I just took it all with me and carried on writing in the waiting room which is quite a me thing to do Um, and then I wrote in my teens I kind of dabbled a bit more I didn't really finish things Um, and then when I went to university I had a novel on the go called Three by the Sea which I didn't 
ever really finish um and I was doing an English degree so I kind of that was the time when I really felt like when you're reading Henry James you don't really feel like you have much to contribute to the fictional world so but then I started a blog um and I wrote I was like saying to myself I'm not really writing at the moment but actually I was writing a blog every single day which kind of wrote like fiction I would have dialogue and interior monologue and it would just be scenes from my life at university um and then I probably from like 26 to 31 I was properly writing and finishing things mm-hmm. so yeah I kind of have always written and I've had reams of diaries and lists and words <laughs> that's I write everything down really it's just the way that I organize my thoughts mm, definitely me too <laughs> I can relate to that and so you mentioned about uh that you would get into a little bit more about the submission process yeah. and so was this sort of journey to uh, you were saying you were writing and finishing things uh, mm-hmm. how was the whole getting an agent and then getting a deal thing how did that all go for you well it's quite um it's quite parallel, really. I'll tell you the whole story. Lovely. Um, so I suffered from an illness during my early 20s. Um, I had glandular fever when I was 21, 22, and I was bedridden for about 18 months. Um, it was really serious. Oh, like, my gosh. Yeah, I had like a lot of medical specialists trying to figure it out and yeah and it did it affected like my blood's ability to clot and it affected my eyesight and for a while my spleen wasn't really working correctly and there was lots of problems but for the most part I was just like I don't really remember 2008 I I remember that I couldn't even walk to get my post from the hallway floor my dad had to bring it to me and I didn't leave the house to, I remember I asked him to get me some deodorant because I hadn't left the house for six months. And he brought me six cans because he was just like, I don't know what you like. I'm like, you're really ill. So, you know, I bought all of them kind of thing um, because I, and then I remember my first time going out, like I left the house like at Christmas and I got ill like the previous New Year. Um, and it was so weird to like walk along the street and smell things that weren't in my house like people's perfume and fast food outlets and it was a really very strange period of my life as you can well imagine (laughs) and contributed hugely to my current anxiety but um so I wrote half a novel during that period and then when I was well again um and I had like a couple of years where I kind of worked part-time um and then I started my legal training in 2011 and abandoned the half novel And then in 2013, I had a relapse, my only ever one, um, after I got like a flu and I had six months off work. Um, So I was right back there. It was horrible. Um, Although I was was never as sick as I had been once, but I was Mm -hmm. certainly unable to do anything. Um, So I, on spec, saw Curtis Brown had their um, portal open for submissions and I literally sent my first three chapters when I didn't have a finished novel um and Johnny Geller requested the full which was (laughs) kind of insane um so um I sent it to his reader after about I think six days of frantically finishing it um which was awful and I was ill so like really shouldn't have been doing that um and then she ultimately rejected it after about eight weeks but by then I thought well I'll query far and wide um so I did and I probably had about five agents say I'd really like to see your second 
novel. Um, you know, this one isn't quite commercial enough because it was quite autobiographical, really. Um, and, it, you know, it was just a rubbish first novel. <laughs> well, it clearly wasn't rubbish, but... <laughs> I don't think to differ. But, um, so, then I was on a phase return at work um, and I thought, I can't possibly squander the opportunity of a handful of agents taking the time because they I've since learned they definitely don't say that lightly um so I thought about what novel I actually really would like to write now that I was a 27 year old not an 18 year old um and I plotted it out with my dad who's a huge part of my life and then I wrote it from the November to the May um sent it to the five interested agents and a few more. Um, my agent offered um, early June, so mm-hmm. really quite quick. Um, and I I had a bit of like dithering because there were some that still had the full and some that were saying they were interested. But ultimately, I signed with her after about a week of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that novel was called For the Life of Me. And it was about a woman who doesn't want to have children. She's child-free by choice. And a man that does um and the conflict is that she as she was told she has got premature ovarian failure and if she wants to make a if she wants to have a child she has to do it now so it's a big cause of tension in their relationship and it's also about other things um so that went on submission uh that august and um it had very very nice rejections but ultimately um no takers which was just really awful um I was I don't I think when you get an agent you think that's it and I was quite emotionally unprepared for rejection (laughs) I remember I came home and I cried for like maybe two hours um it was just awful like I just went to bed crying basically um but anyway a few of those rejections said we really um we didn't like this one particular element of it my um heroine was a criminal lawyer and there was a kind of a crime strand um and they all thought it didn't really work so we had a sort of revise and resubmit from three houses, I think. Um, so I did do that, um, re-delivered it the next May, and it got to acquisitions at three houses. We even had a meeting. Um, and I, re- I remember we went on holiday in the September, and I was on a beach in Greece when my agent sent me a couple of really nice emails saying, I'm I'm praying that our board is on involved is on board with this book because I love it so much it's I'm going to take it to acquisitions and I thought this has got to work out like three houses interested but nobody took it on <laughs> which was like that was really hard and it mm. was just it was a genre problem I think they were just saying straight women's fiction romances are just a really hard sell um people are buying thrillers um so that was a bit of a low ebb but I already had had a draft of my next novel which was a little bit darker anyway um I think you can probably already see it in my backstory that I've always had crime elements to my novels and sort of legal elements um so I had a draft already of my novel everything but the truth um and so I finished it super quickly because all of the houses that had taken it to acquisitions had said it's just a genre problem. If she can write something that's a little bit darker, you know, we'd really like to see it. 
Um, and I already had. So I can see looking back now, it was quite fortuitous. But at the time, I was like, oh, my God, this is novel number three. Like, am I really going to keep doing this to myself, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I finished it super fast. Um, and it went on submission on the 10th of February. Um, and it needed hardly any edits, which my agent had been quite a heavy editor in the past with me. But uh-huh. this one, she was like, it was like I just laid it (laughs) like I don't know it was just it was odd because I wrote it really quickly and she was like it hardly needs anything doing that's it was nice (laughs) um and then it went out on the 10th of February and on the 23rd Penguin offered a preempt wow I know which like I still sometimes wake up and I'm in the old mindset of Mm -hmm. Is my book ever going to sell? And then I remember, and I'm like, oh my god, that did. did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's wonderful! I'm so happy for you. Oh, I know, me too. And I'm so relieved. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's like, oh, you must be delighted. And I'm like, I'm actually just really relieved mm-hmm. because it was such a cause of anxiety and strife for me because I had never wanted something as badly as I wanted a publishing deal, and like a large part of my brain was like, this is not reasonable to be, if I don't get a deal with a traditional publisher in the UK, I'm not going to be happy. Um, Because Mm. like hardly anybody gets that. It's almost impossible to get published. Mm. So I think um, mostly I'm just really relieved that I wasn't misguided. (laughs) uh No, I know exactly what you mean. And I think also, I don't know if you found this, but um, I found it harder almost as I, it, it was encouraging to get positive rejections. It was encouraged, hugely encouraging to get an agent with mm. a good agency and that kind of thing. But another part of me, sometimes in dark moments, I, f- I felt like it had made it worse because my I had thought, oh, I really do have a shot at this. It's no longer just a pipe dream. No. But then maybe I still won't get it. <laughs> yeah. And that disappointment I is... Where I thought... Uh-huh. I'm not just good enough. I'm just not good enough. And then I had moments where I couldn't imagine it had actually been discussed at acquisition meetings and voted against ultimately, which was so painful, but also it was so close. Um, Mm. I just feel like if the wind had been blowing in a different direction, I would have... Yeah, but that's was... the business side, isn't it? That's the thing. That's at that point when you get to acquisitions, or even when you when a good agent is subbing you to publishers. Mm-hmm. At that point, it has nothing to do with the quality of your novel. It's nothing to do with the quality of your writing. You have already hit whatever the benchmark is, yeah. um, which is also arbitrary and subjective. But still, you, you know, mm-hmm. it's the only one we have. Um, and then it is just the market. And yeah. it's, it's it's business, it's money, it's yeah, it and is. timing and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the right editor and yeah. space on a list. It, absolutely. Them feeling like they can make money from it because that's what they have to do. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so um what would your advice be to somebody who is maybe listening to this and they are going through submission hell? <laughs> <laughs> um well, I I think that somewhere deep in my brain, I felt as though if I checked my email enough, I would get a publishing deal. And that is an incorrect thought. <laughs> so that would be my advice. <laughs> because I was insane. I was like, I would ch- press the home button on my phone all lunchtime. And so I just, I'm, it was all so unnecessary. Like, I feel, I think a large part of 
anxiety is feeling as though like I don't like flying and so on the airplane the entire time I'm tense because I I think part of my brain thinks it won't crash so long as I'm vigilant yes which is madness of course (laughs) but I think I took that kind of mentality on board with submission and I actually I could have just forgotten about it for two weeks and I still would have got my deal and I would have had a much nicer time (laughs) well it's good advice yeah, it's hard to do though. It's uh-huh, hard. Uh-huh. I'm still on submission in some ways, foreign submission and stuff. And I'm less insane about it, but um, I still do get that feeling like, oh, I'll just ask for an update. Like, as though that might be, I might find that I've sold something. Mm-hmm. Like, that would never happen. Um, but it's that feeling like, mm-hmm. as long as I keep in touch about it, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. something will happen. Mm, no, absolutely. And what has been your experience with uh, with Penguin so far? Well, it's been really good. My editor is amazing. She's so contactable. And like, for example, we have a round robin WhatsApp with my agent and my editor, um, just updating on all things that are happening with everything but the truth and who's reading it. Because like, quite a lot of authors have got um, early e proofs. And that was her idea as well. Like she said, there's there's quite a lot of buzz and your your proofs won't be ready yet because it's like nine months before publication at that time. Um, but we could send them an email copy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did that. And now we've had like 10 endorsements. That's amazing. Um, just because of her. So yeah, my experience has been really positive and I'm really in the loop and, you know, they, they ask for my feedback. They send me the cover and ask me what I think and they they're going to send me the back cover copy and yeah I have no complaints whatsoever yay (laughs) (laughs) so if we um if we just go back a little bit there's many things I want to ask you about your your current experiences but if we just uh go back a wee bit um I just wanted to ask you a, a wee bit more about how you found writing um up until this point I mean most people have to fit uh writing around the edges of the day um and I just wondered if you found it difficult to fit writing time in or to separate out headspace and whether you have any tips or advice for that um I probably I must be quite organized about it I think because I do always hit my deadlines and I do have quite a busy life so I'm a full-time lawyer so I um have to fit writing around that um So I suppose one of the biggest things was getting a MacBook and being able to write in moments where I'm not so busy. So on my train and like if I have a delayed train for 20 minutes, I don't lose the time. I can just open my laptop and write. Um, And I've kind of taught myself to be able to do that by a plan quite meticulously. So whenever I come to writing, I always know what where the scene's going to be who's in it and what needs to happen so I think I can make use of like I can write 500 words on my 15 minute train if I'm really in the zone um so I do I do have to do that because really I get home about eight o'clock sometimes and I just wouldn't have the time otherwise unless I make use of occasional lunch times commutes that kind of thing um and then I do do quite a lot of the weekend obviously though I try not to do I try not to do it all weekend because then I start to feel as though I really don't have anything that's not in front of a computer Mm. (laughs) in my life um but I think I was always quite um I could sit like I break it down into what I actually need to do so for a first draft I do a thousand words a day and then 
I normally have a total breakdown after my first draft and reassess the whole book. But I even break that down into, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to think about it on my commute and I'm going to write down what I think. And then on Saturday, I'm going to talk to my dad about it. And then on Monday, I'm going to open an Excel document and plan out a, you know, a redraft. Um, and then I'm going to have another week thinking about it and then I'll start. And it's quite, I kind of just work out what the building blocks are Mm -hmm. for a novel. And that does include quite a lot of thinking time and quite a lot of, oh my God, I've written the wrong thing after a draft moments. Um, and so I break it down into what can I do for an hour a day to move it on? Mm -hmm. Um, that's what I try and do but it doesn't I mean I've just had like three and a half weeks off so it's probably all quite arbitrary (laughs) no that's that's really good advice I think breaking things down is always a good idea at whichever stage of the process just Mm -hmm. to make it more manageable um but you mentioned uh planning there so Mm -hmm. so you're a plotter I take it Um, Uh I don't have the right brain to write a book that um I decide where it goes when I write it. I would write a book about people going out for coffee and talking about what to do if I didn't plan a novel. So I do plan, but I am also a huge rewriter. I've never had a book that I haven't done a substantial rewrite of. And if you do, which I do do, a comparison of what the final version is, even just submission to the first draft, I don't even think, I don't think a word survives, which is very depressing and very inefficient. So yeah, I am a planner, but mm-hmm. it still takes me, I do a first draft and then I do a second draft, which is the total rewrite. Um, and then normally I just do like a line by line edit after that. But with my current book, it's um, it's a bit of a big book. So I'm, do- I'm currently doing a third draft where I'm trying to hone the characters a bit because some of them are a bit flat. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm doing four drafts of this book. Oh, okay. And um I know that you are a listener of the podcast, so you know what is coming. <laughs> it's the worried writer. <laughs> so um, I'd really like to delve into any struggles you've had or still have uh, with writing. So what do you find hardest? Is it starting or uh, obviously starting to plan, I suppose, or finishing or is it drafting? <laughs> I was looking at your questions last night, actually, and I said to my boyfriend, when am I most insane at, at the stage of like, is it the first draft or when is it? And he went end of first draft, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> which was quite interesting because sometimes I think he um, doesn't really know at what stage I'm at, but I think he must. So I think it is. I do a first draft and I, I'm quite gung ho about it. Um, and then at the end of it, I think, oh, okay, it should this should have happened or it was actually about this. Um, and it's like somebody famous said you're telling yourself the story in the first draft and that's absolutely true for me Um, and then I normally have a week of having knots in my stomach and sending strange texts to my agent um, and calling my dad a lot Um, and then I figure it out and then I spend maybe like three weeks planning and then I do a second draft and normally by about halfway through the second draft I realize the world's not going to end and it wasn't just a one-off and all of that um so yeah, I do find the end of the first draft the absolute hardest bit. And finishing it, even though you know it's wrong, I, I make myself finish because I think there's merit to it. But it's awful. It's like driving the wrong way up the motorway, just waiting for an exit. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, that that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I think I have learned to accept that this is my process and mm-hmm. it is part of everybody's process. And it doesn't mean it's not a big red flag. It's just part of it is a month of extreme worry and realizing that you've done it all wrong and it doesn't mean anything. It's just what it is. Uh Um, So when it happened with this book, I thought that I would lose my marbles because I'm under contract, but I actually was quite like, Oh, I I knew this was coming and I'm cool with it. Well, that's good. You you mentioned about um, how you were quite an organised person before. Um, So I'm assuming you set your own sort of deadlines and and like you'd mentioned having a word count that you aimed for. Um, But you just mentioned deadlines then being under contract. Um, Are you finding the deadlines useful or super stressful now that they're (laughs) external deadlines? Um, Well, I always set myself deadlines Uh and I don't know what happened to me when I had that relapse but something went in my brain I kind of realized that I'd been faffing around for 10 years on something that if somebody had said to me on your deathbed you're never going to be published I would have been beyond devastated so I just thought I actually need to do something different it's not enough to just open my book once a month and be like I'm writing a book So I had become quite strict with myself from that moment. Um, And I'm quite militant because if I give myself enough rope, I'll hang myself and I'll watch eight box sets and not write anything. So I do the thousand words pretty much no matter what, even if it necessitates doing them at midnight. Um, So I've been quite used to hard deadlines, but it has stepped up a gear. I think before when I was just agented and writing, I would have a break after each draft and now I had a break to write a short story and I had a break to do my copy edits and so I haven't actually had a break apart from the holiday I just had which was quite sort of hard one I really had to make room in my life for it um it is quite intense and the plate spinning is quite you know you can get edits on a Friday and you were going to write one scene on a Saturday in one book, and suddenly you're back in the first book. So it has definitely stepped up a gear. And I'm, I always have like so much to do. Before I would just, I'd get home from work and I'd have a thousand words to do. And now I have that, but I also have some emails to respond to. I'm supposed to be doing my website. I really need to respond to my accountant about Polish VAT, but I really don't want to. Um, so it does. There's a whole new level of admin as well. Um, which is just to be expected because it's like having two jobs, really. So it is exactly it. that. It is. <laughs> yeah. It is. But it's still somehow. Um, it's still somehow a shock. Um, even though I knew it was going to happen, or I hoped it would happen. Yeah. It's still, and I think it's also difficult. I don't know if you found this, but I also found that I felt that I should be really, really happy because I'd got my dream, and I. Instead, I felt terrified about letting people down and I felt overwhelmed by lots of these kind of business things in the beginning. Um, and so that was a wee bit wobbly and I felt sort of guilty for not not just jumping for joy all the time. <laughs> oh, totally. Mm. I empathise with that to the extreme. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you think that... And the thing is, you're not going to get any sympathy either because people think you it's so rare to get published and Mm -hmm. in my situation 
people, if I don't tell them, they tend to assume I'm a millionaire because it's Penguin. Uh Um, So people are very like, I've had some acquaintances say, when I say, all in, you know, I'm working a 70 hour week, like it's hard. Um, They will say, well, this is what you wanted. Um, And it's quite um, surprising to me. But I think Mm -hmm. that kind of, it's almost like you are other. Um, I have found you've really... I I met Sarah Perry recently. I don't know. She wrote the Essex Serpent, and she said to me, yeah. "It's a real looking glass moment. You you changed your life irrevocably." And I'd never done that before. I'd never done something that had made my life totally different. And my mental health for the maybe three months after I sold was very wobbly, and it came out in worrying about whether my hair strainers were switched on um, and <laughs> worrying about if my house is going to get burgled. But actually, it was about control and about feeling like this was all I ever wanted and now I've got it and it's hard sometimes. Absolutely. And all relationships are a little bit different and my financial situation is different and my to-do list is different and I've got to write another book and because I've sold a book, everyone I speak to says, you'll be fine. But actually, you know, it's hard to write a book uh-huh. and it's hard to write a good book. So, yeah, I totally empathise with that. And it's it was really interesting to me. And it's interesting looking back, now I feel a bit calmer, that it, it was obvious that that would happen because I had been worrying for two years about getting published and I had all those neural pathways and then I had nothing to worry about anymore and I was supposed to be enjoying myself. And I remember actively worrying that, I wasn't as happy as I should be until my boyfriend said, that's, that's insane. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, totally hear you on that. It was a very wobbly period Mm. for me and and wobbly too, because it shouldn't have been. And that was, that was the sort of thought process. And added pressure, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But this is why I think it's good to, um, it's why I so value the writing community and my, my lovely writer friends and, and listening to podcasts and doing this one and chatting to lovely people like yourself. Um, cause I do think it's important to just say, this is normal. It's okay if you are freaking out. <laughs> At some, yeah. whatever point in the process you are you're yeah. at it's okay it doesn't mean yeah. you're ungrateful or not cut out for it or any of those things that you might think you know yeah. it's just it's difficult <laughs> yeah it is difficult mm-hmm. it's it's quite an unusual thing I find people don't really I think if you have sort of worries about your your relationship or your job people are quite willing to help but if you it's very like esoteric to mm-hmm. be worried about your German rights or your, you know, whether you should respond to the comments in your copy edits or, or delete them, mm-hmm. you know, like people are, people don't know what to say uh-huh. and they're so fascinated by the process anyway, because most of them have never met an author. They will, kind of, I think I remember doing it when I knew of authors, when I was desperately seeking a deal. I remember thinking, God, you must have no problems in your life because you're going to be published and I didn't I don't know how I didn't spot that thought as utterly insane um and I think I really believed when I got that phone call it would be like the curtains would go down and it would be happy ever after and about a week after I can't remember what I was worrying about something stupid probably but like a legitimate problem and I thought oh like 
you know, I am actually still going to have worries in my life, which is like obvious to everybody but me. But I was blown away that my life wasn't all hearts and flowers forevermore. <laughs> Absolutely. And I also think you just you just get different worries, don't you? That's the other thing. You get different things to deal with, as, as we were saying. Um, so again, to go back to the advice part, um, do you belong or have you belonged to any sort of writing groups or do you have any recommendations around uh, finding support or or just books or articles or anything like that that you've found helpful while writing? Hmm, well, I mean, obviously, when I was on submission, I read the entire internet about being on submission, um, which I'm not sure was actually very helpful at all. Um, I've never I've never been in a writing group, really. I'm, I'm a bit of a lone wolf. I sort of attended some, um, but I found them quite distracting because... I couldn't just go and read a chapter of my novel every week. It was sort of like themed and and I found like I was having to write stuff for that that wasn't really what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and the, the degrees of people who attend are very, there are some people that don't ever want to be published. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I do find that I was better just dedicating the little time I had to actually writing. But I do have a WhatsApp group of, it started with, five authors from my agency who are in various stages two are published um or about to be published and I think three are like basically currently on submission and now it's grown there's about 10 of us um and it's active every day like if I don't check my phone for an evening there's at least 100 messages and it's really nice just to know that other people feel the things you feel and they they are always waiting <laughs> like that is just the one defining feature of being a writer is waiting for something and it's nice to have people to wait with and mm. people to you know they say like somebody's emailed me saying this what, what do you guys think and it's just really nice and it's nice to have a, a blend of personalities and people to say I think you're being you know I think you're reading far too much into that silence or whatever and yeah so that's been really good um, they're in my acknowledgements in my book because I thought <laughs> they've really been there for me. So Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> it's invaluable um, having people that really understand. Yeah. Because as you were saying before, a lot of times with other non-writing friends and acquaintances, it's there's a lot of myths about publishing. Yeah. So it's really nice to have some people that are in the trenches, as it were, and you can... Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. So in terms of being a professional author um i realize that this is we are we're speaking now in uh where are we oh beginning of october gosh yeah. so um so it's a few months off publication day but i was just wondering how you're feeling about well promotion marketing being a more visible well the business side i suppose of being an author how are you feeling about that um well, I'm terrified of publication day, which mm. I used to know that authors thought that and I wondered why. But now I understand. Um, it's like being cracked open in front of everyone. Um, I'm very scared about sales. That I mean, I think all writers are. Um, so but I'm quite I do enjoy the marketing. I'm quite I'm like an extrovert, really. Um, so you don't have to tell me to go on Twitter or go to events and authors are all so nice like everyone I asked like 
do you want to do you want an e-proof of my book they all just said yes and they read it like it was so nice so I'm like quite happy about that kind of thing the only thing I think is that you would imagine if you get a deal with someone like Penguin that the opportunities would come to you but they don't always there are so many writers um with traditional publishing deals and it's it is hard when you see you know like on the bookseller this is the the talk of 2017 this book and it's not yours and that's of course an unreasonable expectation (laughs) but it's hard to you you want one thing and then you go through the glass ceiling and you look around you and there's you know there's how many debuts a year is it a hundred thousand or something it's like insane statistics so I think you think it might be one thing but actually life is just the same and you still have to hustle to get your book out there yes that's very true there's um there are all these stratas on there all these layers yeah uh, oh hang on a minute <laughs> I'm in this layer <laughs> which is great it's not but... it's moving goalposts isn't it really for yourself I I said I remember saying oh if I'm just published once in my life I'll be uh you know that will be the ambition fulfilled and that's not how I feel at all now (laughs) absolutely absolutely yeah and um so finally um I'd love to hear about what you're working on at the moment if you're free to talk about it yes I am it's nearly finished I'm about to finish the character edit and then start the line by line edit which takes me about a month and then I'm going to deliver it to my agent um so it's called anything you do say um it's play on the caution which I hope people get but um Mm -hmm. we'll see um and it's about a woman who thinks she's being followed on the way home from a night out um and overreacts and pushes a man down a flight of stairs um and he cracks his head open And then the narrative splits and in one version she hands herself in um, and goes to trial and in the other version she tries to get away with it. And it's kind of about guilt and um, how your actions in one moment can sort of affect the rest of your life. Um, So we'll see. Oh, that sounds brilliant. I love the sound of that. When I said to my agent, she was like, I love this idea, but it's very ambitious. And I was like, oh, good, ambitious is good. And then halfway through it, I was like, I'm actually writing two books. Um, which is not like, I wouldn't recommend that for your second book under contract. <laughs> it's kind of a nightmare, but it is nearly done after many hundreds of hours. <laughs> so you did you start that after you got the deal with Penguin? No, mm. I started it the day that my that Everything But The Truth went on submission because I did that. Um, so I yeah no, you're sensible it. like that that's that's what you should do that's good yeah well my agent was like I think you should be writing something else mm. <laughs> not not whatsapping me <laughs> <laughs> we I was going to say so sometimes there can be a bit of a panic I've spoken to some uh, writers who um have got a two book deal and then there's a total panic and sometimes it's a case of getting the book that got rejected before out and reworking it or especially if it got close which is why I was curious because your book before had got so close yeah it was Mm. I suppose that first book was comparable more to like uh Jojo Moyes Mm -hmm, whereas mm -hmm. the genre I'm in now Mm -hmm. is more like Claire McIntosh or Liam Moriarty so I haven't even raised that um but I already had had that idea and I I think I had 10,000 words when it sold. Um, and then I, I told them the idea and they liked it. So then I was like, yes. oh, doing that then <laughs> now. 
So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I wanted to avoid the situation where I was behind um, because I just don't have enough time in my life to take a month off to finish my book or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But I don't know what will happen to the first book. It was recently, it blew me away, actually. It was recently shortlisted for a prize. I entered it on spec to a first novel prize um, after checking the rules fastidiously. Um, But they, I emailed them and they said it was fine. Um, And it got shortlisted. It didn't win, but um, about two months ago. Um, So I still, it was quite a nice validation after I'd sold my second book for for that to happen for my first book. And I don't know if it's the end of the road for that book or what, but we'll see. Mm, That's interesting. But yeah, yeah, fantastic. Congratulations on the shortlisting. That's brilliant. And so just to finish up, um, where can listeners find out more about you and your books? Um, So I'm on all social media as Gillian M. Author. Um, so that's Twitter and Instagram. If you look up Gillian McAllister author on Facebook, I'm there as well. Um, and I blog at gillianmcallister.com. Um, so that should suffice. Um, <laughs> put my books out, I think, on March the 9th. But um, it's not quite set in stone. So maybe you can correct that in the Absolutely. Show. Yes, I'll correct that in the show notes. But no, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you and you. Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter or use the hashtag worriedwriter. See you next time.